What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the coolest movie talk podcast. We're bringing the old crew back. Well, actually, we're coming back after like five weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's been a bit. <laughs> a bit, yeah, for four and a half weeks, maybe five weeks. It's, cool. it's been a while. The point is, I've been slack. Yeah, I think it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been away. We're both, we're both very busy people, aren't we, Rua? We're very, very busy. <laughs> That's usually not the greatest excuse to use because it seems like a cop-out. But the, the reality is we have been very, very busy. <laughs> Nate's been away. I've been cracking down on a lot of like design work, hospitality consultation. Um, all that jazz. All that, all that stuff. All that stuff. And it's I good. feel like I'm just always missing something deep down inside. And that is talking about movies. And so... We're, we're both so glad to be back recording as usual and we're not going to be as slack as we have been recently. I keep saying we, I feel like, well, I guess you do share <laughs> no, a little bit of responsibility. Yeah, right? 100%. I, uh, <laughs> I take on 20% of the responsibility. It's an 80-20 thing, right? 80-20. 80 on my behalf, seeing as like, this is quote-unquote my podcast, yeah. uh, and 20 on Nate's behalf. So, uh, sure, I'm just there. I'm a, I'm a, a wall to rebound things off. So if I'm not here, there's nothing to rebound. It just goes off into the ether. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I that's, love that. That's the excuse. It's good. I love that. It's and good to so, be back, guys. <laughs> it's good to be back. And what better way to bring it back is by revisiting the Legacy series, or hashtag the Legacy series, where we start off with Christopher Nolan's films. We've done six films for Christopher Nolan so far and this is the seventh and as you know this is The Dark Knight Rises. We're finally getting around to finishing The Dark Knight Rises and it's actually a funny period because we did Batman Begins, we did The Dark Knight and then before we even finished The Dark Knight Trilogy we jumped straight into The Batman directed by Matt Reeves which Nate loves (laughs) (laughs) and some other people are a bit cold. No, no, you're the only person that loves it. (laughs) I love it. I um... And and let's be controversial here. Uh, coming out of rewatching The Dark Knight Rises, I might be of the opinion that this might be the superior of The Dark Knight <laughs> films. Sorry, I wasn't choking because I was disagreeing. <laughs> I was literally choking on the scrape. But um, but uh, yeah, no, it's good. I think it's uh, it's nice as well that we we can kind of uh, bring together those things of the past and the things of the present, and uh, and yeah, to be able to health- healthily critique. Uh, this alongside its predecessors and alongside Matt Reeves, the Batman. So, yeah. It's probably a good time to plug the fact that we have recorded the, the Batman, um, our review and our recap, which is episode something or other. I can't, something. Actually, <laughs> I can't actually uh, name. It's probably actually episode 25. Yeah. Yeah. Probably said 25. 25. There you go. We should probably know this, though. <laughs> um,. So great to have you back, Nate. Um, how's it been? How was your holiday? Holiday was good. Went up to northern Queensland. It's been raining in Sydney, and we leave and go up north, and it's raining was in it northern raining? Queensland it's the whole time. Oh, lovely! It was very damp, and wet, but it, was, it felt adventurous. And that was good, and <laughs> it was also restful. Uh, I work in in coffee and hospitality, and it was nice to come away from two weeks without any coffee grinds in my fingers. Oh, like gosh. all that you know that stuff. I'd forgotten how to make coffee by the time I got back. It was great. It was good. That, you, that's how you know it's a good holiday. You dodge the uh, coffee grounds uh, exfoliation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, um, the coffee scrub. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, good times. And um, you're revitalized. You're refreshed. Yeah, and then right back into the swing of things in this 
this last week. And so. you just couldn't stop thinking about doing a podcast again. Yeah, well, I um, whilst away, we started looking. Oh, my partner Hannah and I started watching something that uh, River and I have already been talking about doing very soon for a, our potential next legacy series. Yeah, uh, so we well, let's let's we'll keep that one quiet for now. We'll, okay, we'll yeah, keep it surprise. Oh, yeah, All right, yeah, keep it surprise. Yeah, some uh, good, good, good old-fashioned classic fun for our next uh, legacy series. Yeah, I'm actually amped about that. I mean, the fact that you brought it up yesterday, <laughs> I'm actually quite amped, and um, we should we should like fast track it. <laughs> and, you know, there's there's no like strict schedule around this kind of no, stuff. No, you know, no. we just kind of review and recap what we really love, what we really enjoy, and um, I guess there's a little bit of bias in the podcast. You're probably not going to hear a lot of episodes where we completely trash a film because we don't like it although we do have differing opinions in some of the films 100%. we were talking about recording on something we do not like <laughs> as well maybe soon that be the room morbius morbius that is a that, that is a hard one um, um, yeah, let's jump into it. Let's, let's, let's jump into this legacy series. We're focusing on Christian Nolan, as I said before, um, and all the great films that he's done over the years. And if you haven't checked out the previous episodes on Christopher Nolan, we covered Memento, which is episode 19, Insomnia, episode 20, Batman Begins, episode 21, Prestige, episode 22, and The Dark Knight, 23. Oh, I should probably include Inception, <laughs> which is episode 26. And then we're finally here at The Dark Knight Rises, episode 27. With a budget of $250 million, this had a whopping box office of $1.08 billion. Ooh, the Billionaire and Club. The Billionaire Club. Um, and it just it just went a little bit over The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight was... Uh, its box office return was 1.05, so it did perform a little bit more than The Dark Knight, which is kind of nice, I guess, if you're going to do a um, a third film. And this film was released on July 19, 2012. Um, I remember that year really well, by the way. I just moved back from Melbourne, 2012, because that was also the year that the first Avengers came out. First, yeah, the first Avengers yeah. came out in May, two thousand and twelve, and then when I was coming back to New Zealand, I, I'm pretty sure it was like the week that I got back to New Zealand. That was the opening of the Dark Knight Rises. It's funny um, you mentioned that time period because there was definitely that MCU on the rise and DC starting its decline, and I think DC really starts its decline after this film, mm-hmm. um, where around around this time they would have started. I think started preparations for was it, um, the Man of Steel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Man of Steel came out the year after, yeah, two thousand and thirteen. Which I think, and as um, we might talk about, and I don't know if we have it in us to review a whole bunch of uh, DC. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but um, but um, what what Man of Steel was very much followed from. The ethos and the feeling True. behind that sort of Bear's grounded trilogy. feel for yeah. a comic book movie, yeah, or dark and gritty and real. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, Christian Nolan, he was he was the guy that um, compiled the story oh, with really? David yeah. Escoya for Man of Steel. They basically came up with the story concept together. Cool. David Escoya went on to write the film with Zack Snyder, and then Zach but Snyder um, directed. 
Yeah, but Christopher Nolan was actually the guy who concepted, concepted? Who came up with the concept for Man of Steel and he presented it to Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers were keen. And I think it was, I could be wrong about this, but I think it was Christopher Nolan that said, get Zack Snyder to direct this movie. Ah, cool. Mm. It's a good choice, I think, uh, very much. To helm, to helm, uh, (laughs) yeah, maybe, maybe uh, brave, brave. Uh, last words <laughs> to uh, Helm uh, Cinematic True. Universe, but yeah. like definitely for the inception of the DC, mm-hmm. he was a very good choice. So. I think it was a great choice. I really love Man of Steel. I don't know, it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. It wasn't up everybody's alley, but um, I'm a huge Superman fan, and I always wanted to see a Superman film where it was a little bit more realized outside of the comics. And follow one of my favorite Superman stories, which is called All Star Superman, written by um, uh, I can't remember his name. I don't know. Oh my gosh, I feel embarrassed. All Star Superman, anyway. So great comic issue, and the Dark, uh, the Dark Knight, <laughs> Man of Steel um, follows the same story. Um, but before <laughs> we get sidetracked with um, Man of Steel. Um, Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Frank Google. Whiteley. Yes, Frank, Grant Morrison, one of the greatest comic book writers of all time, in my opinion, probably shared amongst a lot of comic book readers, uh, but very famous for a lot of DC comics. And so, yeah, All Star Superman, great comic. Um, so, Dark Knight Rises. It's um, <clears throat> it continues its original cast, obviously from the Dark Knight. It's Christian Bale playing Bruce Wayne and Batman, and Hathaway as the new addition to the cast. Also, Tom Hardy, Ooh. and uh, also Marian 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 Cotillard, um, who plays Miranda Tate, aka Talia Al Ghul. That was yeah. a spoiler, by the way. Sorry, guys. Spoiler, <laughs> spoiler. spoiler heavy warning. This is a spoiler heavy cast. I mean, usually we'll start off with our first impressions and then we get into spoilers <laughs> later. But sorry, we just spoiled a few. But yeah, she is um, Talia Al Ghul. Uh, and also the new edition of JGL, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Um, and featuring back into the trilogy, we've got Michael Caine coming back as Alfred, Gary Oldman coming back as Commissioner Jim Gordon, and Morgan Freeman playing Lucius Fox. Now, it has been eight years since Batman, in collusion with Commissioner Gordon, vanished into the night. Assuming responsibility of the death of Harvey Dent, Batman sacrificed everything for what he and Gordon hoped would be the greater good. However, the arrival of a cunning bat burglar, a.k.a. Anne Hathaway, Selina Kyle, and a merciless terrorist named Bane, played by Tom Hardy, force Batman out of the XL and into the battle he may not be able to win. Let's get into this. First impressions. You know how it is. First, First impressions. impressions. Yeah. I think uh, like this film, and, and, and it's really wonderful to see uh, a film a, a decade, now a proper decade later, um, how it ages, how it um, holds up uh, in maybe uh, popular culture, but then also uh, politically, like themes-wise, uh, just so much of what um, the world looks like these days. This film has some phenomenal storytelling around how power corrupts, uh, uh, issues around wealth disparity, classism, and also 
like I think particularly with Batman himself, like what does it mean to do the right thing versus to be seen to do the right thing? And, um, and yeah, I think as a whole, this film is just phenomenal at telling that story. Unlike, I think both Dark Knight and Batman Begins, where Batman Begins such an origin, and Dark Knight is very much a chaotic, a chaotic cat and mouse game between Batman and Joker. This movie is such an epic, and it's really funny when you like watch through it that it it actually takes a few months, like it's 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 a, a larger period of time. Um, that once you get into that rhythm. And maybe let's talk about it from like a Nolan perspective. You start to see how Nolan is crafting an epic on a grand scale uh, and, and utilizing a superhero genre to tell that story. So I freaking love it. I think it's just such a clever, well, not even just clever, I think it's just a really, yeah, I think it's a really poignant story. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and it's dark, like it gets very heavy. Uh, yeah, it may be a little jarring if you watch it for the first time, but as you go back in your rewatch, uh, particularly seeing Batman's story arc in this and what actually feels like progression for Batman, which you haven't seen since the very beginning of Batman begins, uh, seeing him evolve in his understanding of what he's supposed to be for himself, for Gotham, uh, and, yeah, and also what, not even for himself, what the Batman as a symbol is. I love it. I just, yeah, very cool, very clever. Um, yeah, a very brooding tale. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that's that's like my non-spoilery I feelings that. of that film. Yeah. What about you, River? <laughs> I feel like this movie doesn't get enough credit for what it is. Would you agree? Yeah. Absolutely. There's a lot of people that that um, <clears throat> saw The Dark Knight Rises as not the greatest follow-up to The Dark Knight. Now, granted, the most popular opinion is that The Dark Knight is like the shining jewel. It's like the new standard for comic book for films and storytelling, character, villain versus uh, protagonist, all that kind of stuff. The Dark Knight Rises had a lot to live up to absolutely a lot to follow up to but i truly believe it doesn't get enough credit i think this movie is actually amazing mm. um i actually didn't realize it when i first watched the film i think when i first watched the film i was maybe a little bit like everybody else like the dark knight was just so amazing the dark knight was just so inspiring just from an acting and a um character perspective from what he later done as as the joker we, it was hard to see past that. The early critique of, of Tom Hardy's Bane, yeah. the voice. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely the pace, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I think trying to think back to that time, what... Uh, yeah, those were the major critique points, yeah, absolutely. And and people just made the natural comparison with uh, Joker. And if you also think you have the other natural comparison, which is the Avengers movie, it's just completely different. It's mm-hmm. a completely different kind of story, mm-hmm. completely different forms of action, completely different superhero genre in mm. a way. It's a different genre <clears throat> with superheroes in it, you know, like, and that, that definitely changes it too. But it's also what I like about this film is it's a spiritual successor to Batman Begins mm-hmm. as well as The yeah. Dark Knight. Like it's really, 
um, if Batman begins exploring what it means to be the Batman and to look after this city, this film takes that to the next step or the end conclusion. How does Batman look after a city once he's lost <laughs> and that city's already taken over? That's yeah. a good way of putting it because this this movie, it swings back to Batman Begins in the sense of him continuing the journey of discovering who he is as Bruce Wayne and who he is as Batman because the Dark Knight takes a bit of a break from him on that discovery mission, that identity discovery mission. It takes a little bit of a break for that because it's it, it's rudely interrupted by Joker yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and what's happening with the mob. So you're right, when it comes to the Dark Knight Rises, when he is forced to come out of exile or retirement or yeah. retirement, you know, in his mind, he was like, I have to give up, I have to give up Batman. Mm. And Batman had to go down with this uh, re- reputation of being the villain of the story. Mm. Um, and he was happy with that because that's what Batman needed to be. Batman needed to be whatever it had to be yeah. in order for justice to take place and for the city to, um, to believe in, in certain people again, yeah. like Harvey Dent. Um, so, yeah, The Dark Knight Rises, uh, every time I watch it, I just, I love it more and more. When re-watching it for this recording, this review and recap, I really loved it. And I felt pretty emotional about the whole thing. The, the, the biggest emotional parts for this film is the slowly debilitating relationship between him and um, Alfred. Alfred. Yeah. Like, that's a really sad story. Yeah, it's wild when you think that Alfred leaves the story Yeah, in this film. And he actually doesn't properly come back. Yeah. He actually, he just, he, he's like, I can't watch you do this to yourself anymore. I'm out. It's, it's a that's very emotional wild. thing. Like, I, I found that. <laughs> it's like a true abandonment, right? Like, yeah, it's a true abandonment. family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's just because it rings home a lot to perhaps, like, my own beliefs and, and my own values mm. in, in real life and, I mean, that's that's the point of filmmaking, right? The, the mm. point of filmmaking is to try and tap into what we can reflect on, what we can actually connect with. Mm. That's what makes storytelling so powerful. So so the fact that Nolan was able to do this through the dynamic relationship of Alfred and Bruce Wayne, it's, to me, that tells me that <laughs> Christopher Nolan is is completely the opposite of what his criticisms uh, usually, which is like, oh, he can't tell emotional storytelling. It's like that's that's bullshit, it's man. Like true, yeah. that's not true at all. Christopher Nolan's a master at doing at crafting very emotional stories, and it might be a story arc, or it might be a character, or it might be a relationship. And in this case, it's Bruce Wayne and Alfred. So I I found it really deep, and I found it like it had a lot of layers to it, yeah. and just the, you know that uh, hallway sequence where they're talking where the, the lighting's really cold and, like, they're in an empty mansion, effectively. Yeah. And they have that really intense dialogue with yeah, each other. Yeah. I remember, like, watching someone reacting to that because we're in the age of YouTube reacts. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching someone react to that and they're like, oh, I found, um, I just need to uh, turn off that phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Um, I find... Yeah, like this person that was reacting to that was saying that Michael Caine's really committing to this particular scene, but Christian Bale, not so much. And I was like, I think I see what you're trying to say here. Mm. Like you're, you're 
critique is that like he feels a little bit flat. He's not really communicating. Or he's not really reciprocal in this kind of scene. But I, I think it's simply because Bruce Wayne is in shock. He he's probably realizing how much damage he's he's, he's done, done on their relationship. Yeah, and he's he's a pretty stoic character anyway. He's not like this overly charismatic and very expressive emotionally character. Like we saw that in the dark Knight. Yeah. There were, there were critical moments where he had to, well, you know that he could be expressing a lot more, but he just, he's trying to hold it together at the same time. He's um, reserved. I think you, you see that moment. Oh man. Yeah. We have it on in the background. <laughs> so it's the like, right started playing. Um, there, there is that moment uh, when he's on the rooftop with Rachel in the dark night. And he's trying to say, this isn't me. This isn't, oh, now I'm thinking of the Batman. <laughs> Batman <laughs> Begins. I'm thinking Batman Begins. Um, but there, there these moments of the vulnerability of the real Bruce Wayne, the Bruce Wayne that you knew as a kid, the Bruce Wayne that's not the billionaire, like all of that um, definitely is um, culminates here in this film. You see it uh, as he loses Alfred and he connects with Miranda uh, as well. Like that becomes a part of that story. That becomes a part of, uh, yeah, who who he um, who is deciding to now be, and as he loses everything, I think one of the one of the other moments in this film, which is fantastic, that you forget actually happens, is the bit where billionaire Bruce Wayne loses everything and is no longer a billionaire, and he has the power shut off. And uh, I think one of my favorite lines is after he, I think he tells it to Selena Kyle, where mm. it's like, um, he's, he's lost everything. And he's like, so billionaire Bruce Wayne has no home. And he's like, well, they let me keep the mansion. <laughs> Doesn't she respond to that line as well? Well, she says, oh, even the. She says something like she, she used to, she pokes fun at like even the privileged people still get like. You know, I'm not exactly poor or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah. maybe this is a good segue to get into the recap. Should we get into the recap? Yeah. yeah. Let's get into Let's the recap. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's your first time here, um, the recap is basically us walking through the entire film. We break it down and focus on Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3, and then we conclude by the end of the recap. And the recap is just a fun way for us to jog our memories um, through what we really enjoyed, what we didn't quite enjoy. Um, it's a chance for us to be heavily critical about certain aspects when when we do jog through the film. Um, and it's also a good way for maybe you as a listener to uh, dive deep into the weeds of this film and pinpoint, highlight, and maybe change some of your opinions on certain things. Mm. So <clears throat> let's get into <clears throat> Act 1. So here in Act 1, Bane, a mass terrorist, a former member of the League of Shadows, abducts nuclear physicist Dr. Leonard Pavel from a CIA aircraft over Uzbekistan. And so this whole opening scene is just as how Nolan likes to open his films with these massive scale, epic extravaganza. I don't know what you want to call it, but these... these they're set piece. Set piece. Action scenes, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're always... Set piece, like um, massive, massive set piece. Extraction. It can be if we're thinking back to Dark Knight. It's the bank heist with the bank uh, heist, yeah. with Joker and the Joker goons. And the Batman Begins. It's where is the Batman Begins? Yeah, oh, I, I guess the Batman Begins doesn't have 
like a crazy massive it's, it's him scene. heading up to the mountain i guess you could say well no the opening scene is um him as a child mm. and he's running through the garden and Towards then falls the in yeah falls in the well fall down yeah. I guess it's kind of a big opening. Anyway, so the point is, is like, Nolan likes to do big openings. He does that with Inception as well. Um, he does it with Interstellar. does it with Tenet. With Tenet. Yeah. Massive, massive openings. And, and I think his whole idea around this is to really throw the audience into the pit. Yeah. And no the gradual pace. burn. Yeah. Set that pace as well. Set and, the pace. And, uh, and also to introduce the villain. And introduce the villain. Yeah, I love the love the way he done that with the Dark Knight. He does the same with the Dark Knight Rises. Like the the antagonist for the film is always at the beginning. Yeah. So Bane is in this like aircraft, um, and this whole aircraft scene, everything looks completely real. Yeah, I like think completely the practical. Whole, I don't know if the <laughs> whole stunt was full. It couldn't have been. I've Maybe seen, it could have been. <laughs> I've seen some. Well, I've seen some studio <laughs> shots of them. Literally inside the studio, like tipping the plane yeah. sideways. Yeah, but then I've also seen some shots of them doing the whole doing the whole thing in, in midair. I don't know how they do this. Like, there's probably like how I carriers or something. You know, like how yeah. I carry from uh, Avengers. It's very. Uh, have you ever read Matthew Riley novels? No, no, they're like these action military adventure books. They're a bit oh, ridiculous, gosh. but they have set pieces in the story. <laughs> Which is very similar to what this is, where it's like two planes in midair having a like a ballet with like all these militia jumping on and boarding and abducting people and 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 like this whole set piece is nuts because you have Bane being um, taken hostage and being interrogated on the plane by the CIA operative played by I can't remember the actor's name, but Peter Baelish from Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, and he and the other men are hooded. None of them um, are suspected to be Bane, but they're all being interrogated about being Bane. Mm-hmm. And then he reveals himself. As being Bane. As being Bane. Yeah, it was, you know, the first time I watched it, though, I, I was kind of confused, partly because yeah. I couldn't understand what they were saying. The dialogue was so faint. Yeah. And, and it's loud and windy. And it was loud and on. windy. And I know, I know this is a Nolan thing. Nolan doesn't like to do ADR. And so. It, it suffers a little bit, especially in Tenet. Tenet was, like, quite terrible. Tenet's, like, the, the you, reminder of the reminder the of Nolanism like, that people don't like. <laughs> yeah, <people don't, laughs> yeah, he doesn't like to do ADR. So he likes to capture it on, on, on set, which is fine. You know, that's just, like, his way of filming and that's his craftsmanship, whatever. You could, you have to kind of respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found it really hard to hear what Bane was saying and what the other guy was saying, mm-hmm. the CIA agent. CIA agent, right? Yeah. yeah. I couldn't hear what they were saying. Um, so I was a little confused as to why was Bane under a hood and why was he like handcuffed? And I was like, "Huh, what's going on? What's yeah, going yeah. on?" But then now he's not handcuffed; he's with the other guys, and now the CIA agent is like getting duped. Yeah, into something. And I was like so confused. And then I think it it is it is extra confusing because there is uh, until the point that you're like, okay, he wants to be here, but why does he want this doctor? And I think all of these things become revealed in a second watch, and to some degree. They're revealed as well later on in the film, much later, basically into Act Three, yeah. uh, about why he's there and who is abducted in the first place. But this mm. set piece is nuts. It's right? awesome. It's in- insane. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. And then my favorite part is like when it starts to um, tip. When it starts to tip, go vertically, yeah. and and then just by the nature of it being vertical, the 
the wings. wings just like explode off, and I'm like, Ooh. so good. The scope I, in this, I think, um, as well, this is where you start to um, recognize that this is a villain to be feared, not just in his intimidation, but in his physicality. And what Tom Hardy does in, in bringing a Bane that just, yeah, it just blows out of the water all kind of, of the preconceptions that you have of Bane from that <laughs> other Batman era. And Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Where he's just like mask goggled, big dumb oaf. Uh, who played him in that, but uh, him, him that's with, what he was saying. Really. Yeah, Bang. yeah. Bang. <laughs> I just think, um, I just think it's uh, such uh, credit to to Tom Hardy as well as to how he uh, goes about uh, playing this character. Is jumping around, and I said to River before when we we're watching that scene, it's not just that he's uh, big, but he's also lethe and quick. And yeah. when um, once they start trying to um, take over the ship, the guys are shooting at him and the plane's already sideways and he's just jumping between the seats, dodging bullets. And it's just awesome. Just so good. So, uh, yeah, really I awesome. absolutely dig it as a setting the scene for what happens in the film. Yeah, and I, um, it's a lot of credit to the film crew as well, the cinematographer, yeah. um, which I believe is still Wally Fister. I'm just going to check here. Just like so, I get my facts correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Wally yeah. Fister. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this was the last film that Wally Fister done DOP work for Nolan really? because he went on to become a director himself. Cool. Um, <clears throat> not a very good one. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> He's probably listening to this. If you're listening to this, sorry, mad respect for your DOP work, but your directorial debut, Transcendence. I don't know if you saw that. Name. I haven't seen it. It's a Johnny Depp film. Oh, okay. Yeah. I saw it for Johnny Depp and partly for Wally Fister being the director, but it's not very good. Come on, man. <laughs> like, maybe stick to DOP work. But I feel like the, like, especially that opening scene really does remind me of that same kind of cool color palette that is in movies like Tenet. Mm-hmm. Isn't to some degree into what you see in Interstellar as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, man, the cinematography for this definitely felt like a step up and step back towards a Nolan atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like Dark Knight kind of moved away from that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think Dark Knight has a bit more saturation yeah, of colors. De- there's definitely that like grainy fluorescence. Mm-hmm. You, you could like tone the film in terms of, certain like ready oranges and then yep. really dark bluey blacks. Whereas mm. this, it's like cool. Colors. It's very cool, very dull colors. And I think obviously that's intentional yep. to give us this mood where we're, the filmmakers want to bring us down with the way Bruce Wayne is feeling about this whole situation, the way, the way Gordon to a massive extent feels about this whole situation. You know, Gordon, you know, when he does his, his public address yep. about, Harvey Dent being the quote unquote savior, he's he's um impaired by the memories of how bullshit this whole thing is. <laughs> when it's like a Harvey Dent day and it's supposed to be celebratory. It's supposed to be celebratory. But you can just see it. It's like yeah. And that and that really again moves into where the third act goes to a, a time of winter. <laughs> and there's a very there's that very much energy of um tiredness over Gotham. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So just quickly wrapping off that um opening scene with the uh, with a physicist <clears throat> again, like I just want to bring up that first time I watched it, I I, I was completely confused as to why they were siphoning his his blood. blood. I mean, I, I got the I got the reference that yes, they're trying to make it, um, they're doing a dead body situation, yeah. 
and trying to when they do verification through DNA that that's going to be him. But I didn't, I couldn't understand why the physicist. Yeah. <laughs> we don't actually learn about that later. About who he is, who he is. important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's what I was thrown off by, and I was like, why? Is and, it, and one of Bane's followers also commits suicide. He commits suicide as well, and so there's a lot of confusing things happening yeah. and a lot of moving pieces, and I'm like, uh, yeah. beautiful spectacle, beautiful cinematography. Yeah. Storytelling, a little bit clueless about bit what's yeah. really going on. And right? again, it's a it's a rewatch. There's power in, a, in the rewatch for this. Power so much in in the moment. It's a spectacle. It's a spectacle. Yeah, yeah you're totally right. Mm. So then, um, after that, we cut straight to that public address with uh, Commissioner Gordon addressing the public, saying how much of an inspirational role model Harvey <laughs> Dent was, and how much of an influence it's been on Gotham and, because yeah. Gotham's actually become. A better, a better city, a better city. city. A better city. In, in and this, yeah. this is what makes this story even more powerful for me: is that the story, in and of itself, becomes a threat to the Gotham City. Yeah, you know, because Gotham City is now predicated on lies yeah. and deceit, and we know those don't last for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and w- when when you're sort of building a foundation on a bunch of lies, you know, at some point, it's going people are going to suffocate yeah and batman's going to have to do his thing again which is clearly what he does in this film he has to come out of the ruins and he also gets put into his place physically and then it impairs him like psychologically as well it's interesting though as well because it's not just physically and psychologically but the ideas around classism and Mm. this idea that commissioner gordon has come to power as the police and uh, we can get to that bit later with the police versus Bane's people. But um, this power has been built on a lie and that lie then means corruption and that also breeds the divide between the rich and the poor. That you also have an economic element where Bruce Wayne is put in his place too, how later on he ends up losing everything. So mm-hmm. you have all these elements of everything falling apart and certain elements, which I think are really, you know, like um, they're, they are really founded on these ideas of classism and, mm-hmm. you know, almost in the same sense as what movies like Parasite has done in recent years, where it's like this isn't the way it's supposed to be. So even if you're trying to do things in the right way or in the wrong way for the right reasons, it's mm-hmm. not going to work. It's never going to work, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's a good point of distinction to make that uh, – everybody is still vulnerable to the same consequences and yeah. the same mistakes. And you get that from JGL and uh, Anne Hathaway because yeah. both of them, one's an orphan and one comes from a poor impoverished family and they both, like, he really hits up Bruce Wayne about, like, the um, Wayne orphanage not being funded anymore and she's also like, look, I've never come from money. Uh, this is where I am. Me and my friend, we steal. This is what we do. This but is Cap the life that we live. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's great. It's a really, it's really clever storytelling. Mm. And actually, we'll we'll move on a little bit from there. But I just want to, I do want to say something about like the whole Catwoman character and also JGL character. These were vital characters to have in such a story because it explores even the smallest, if you want to call it that, the smallest issues from citizens. And the issues are not just about these crazy terrorists like attacking yeah, the issues are not just about like, ninjas and yeah that, it's yeah. not just about like gang members and like a whole drug cartel yeah. it's also affecting the smaller people the jgls and 
and uh, this is Selena Kyle. So I think that was such a smart move for Nolan to bring in such small characters that play a small piece in sort of a really messed up corrupt society, mm. but they also matter in the great grand scheme of things because they eventually build a great stories for themselves, right? Mm. Absolutely. And um, I think there's one other character that, that happens with, is it, uh, is it Matthew Modine's character? Um, one of the captains of the police where he's one of the policemen who's afraid to stand up for the important thing. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he's got his own little subplot where he doesn't want to back Gordon and JGL. <laughs> Sorry, we should call JGL's character by his name, Blake, <laughs> so we don't get confused between Gordon and... Robin. Robin. Uh, <laughs> we'll call him Robin for this. Or Nightwing. Whatever. Nightwing. Robin. Or Batman. Tim Drake. Give me the new Batman. The new Batman, um, yeah. yeah. But it, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a thought piece, this film. And I think that's what you have to come to this movie as to enjoy it to its fullest extent mm. uh, because there's a few little moments in that where, and and uh, we'll get to that in a, in a bit when we get to the stock exchange um, uh, set piece, but there's this sense of uh, a tired Gotham and Batman rising mm-hmm. <laughs> back into the forefront in a Gotham that hasn't had him there for eight years. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, organized crime has been eradicated supposedly. <laughs> in Gotham City, thanks to the Dent Act giving expanded powers to the police. Mm-hmm. Commissioner Gordon has kept the criminal acts of Dent after his disfigurement a secret and allowed the blame for his crimes to fall on Batman. He has prepared a speech to read revealing the truth, that, but decides not to read it. Now, this is actually something that was quite uh, revealing for me for a character like Commissioner Gordon. I never, I, I never sort of thought that Commissioner Gordon could be further developed and add more layers to him. Mm. But because we've always known Commissioner Gordon as this, this like do good cop. Yeah, you know, always do good. He's always like the positive guy. Always yeah. has Batman's back, and yeah. Batman has his back. Yeah, he was always the bridge between Batman and the police force, yeah. and which the Batman, the new Matt Reeves exactly, movie, really explores a lot more. And plays on yeah. This this movie is there's exasperation, there's fear, there's exhaustion. There's exhaustion and if you think yeah. of it like in Dark Knight, it's him, Harvey, and Batman together yeah. taking mm-hmm. down crime. Now he's all alone. Now he's all alone, yeah. and the world's working. <clears throat> the way it's supposed to be. Well, he's thinking that it's probably a time bomb, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it literally is a bomb (laughs) by the end, but but it's like, it's a ticking time bomb in his mind. And that's why I thought it was such a beautiful moment where, where he's, he's, he has the, the truth in front of him Mm. reading from the pulpit, Mm. but he decides not to, after having flashbacks to that scene of, uh, at the end of the dark night with, um, Harvey Dent and, and Batman, and so he's he's in such a conflicted position, and we've never seen Jim Gordon. So we've, we've never seen this kind of focus on Jim Gordon being having this internal conflict because yeah. he is a good guy. He's a good man. He's always been a good man, and part of him being a good man is also telling the truth. Yeah. But he knows if he does do that, it's all, all of their work's undone. All of their yeah. work is undone. Everything that Batman sacrificed is undone. undone. It's crazy. It's it like, is, yeah. It's really um, gives me chills thinking about that. Yeah. And so I think, and this is uh, what what is great is that the ultimate villain isn't Bane so much as it's corruption. Well, Bane's just revealing yeah, the corruption. He's the, he's the medium. For he's the, the medium yeah. for the corruption to be made known. Mm-hmm. And when you when you get to the third act again, 
he sets in place, and I think this is where the movie, um, it kind of feels like when you've, you, you've got a tangle of ropes and as you try to undo them, you accidentally tighten them sure. and create more, more knots. True, create more tension. Yeah, yeah. That, that like both the good guys are doing that, but also later on in the film, he does that to them. He, he places them in this impossible situation where the more they try to pull on things, the worse the tangle becomes. becomes. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, yeah. Yeah, if you guys, if you're sleeping on this film, go back and rewatch it. Go back and rewatch it. I think it's the thing where it's that you can't place this film in the same mentality as The Dark Knight. It's a different. That's the wrong step to take. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's what really shifts it for me. So, yeah, Yeah, cool. Um, So, Bane sets up his base in the city sewers, like a rat. A rat Rat versus the bat. (laughs) (laughs) And props Bruce's uh, corporate viral John Daggett. Daggett, yeah. John Daggett. Is this the guy you're talking about? No, it's not. No, you're talking about the police officer. Police officer, yeah, yeah. John Daggett. To buy Bruce's fingerprints, cat burglar Selena Kyle obtains Bruce's prints from Wayne Manor for Daggett, but she is double-crossed at the exchange and alerts the police. Um, This introduction of Selena, let's talk about Selena Kyle for a little bit. So So, I was. I don't. I don't know about you because I have actually, haven't actually asked you this. Mm. I was quite nervous having Princess Diaries, <laughs> yeah. uh, Mia Monop- Mia Monopolis, uh, yeah, Mia Monopolis, I think something Monopolis, something Greek, Mia something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, like you know, no cap and no shame. I actually really enjoy Princess Diaries. So. Oh yeah, I love, I love Princess Diaries. <laughs> Sorry, my goodness. I really enjoy. Um, it. To name, I just call her Maria. Uh, <laughs> Mia Monopoly. No, 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 Maria, as in um, um, her grandmother. Oh, Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews. From Sound of Music. Gold, golden. <laughs> Maria. It's Diction. Diction. She's I always so feel like I, I, speak, I, mean, I speak so, like yeah, a hobo. So anyways, Anne Hathaway, similar to Matthew McConaughey, maybe put into a set of films that you always expected to play. I remember there was... Same way as Tom Hardy. There's a bit of like an uproar going into this film about oh, yeah, a little like, bit of resistance. She play Catwoman. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling that going into it, and I think her opening scene, oh, woo, so good. She completely tossed all of our opinions out of the window yeah. with her opening scene. So good. Absolutely amazing. Like she's we we first meet her as this like super innocent, um, one of the maids. very good maid, but then the way she switches. You know, when she gets caught by Bruce Wayne, yeah. the way she switches from being this, like, uh, goody two-shoes um, young maid, she switches into this super mature, like, um, confident adult criminal. <laughs> like, like, the way... She's, like, just absolutely happy to do... Like, just... She's so proficient. She's so... Yeah. And that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, like, Matt Reeves' Catwoman's also done this with Zoe Kravitz. I feel like not to the same extent that this Catwoman is just, she's so confidently, she she stands as a peer to Batman and to Bane in Mm -hmm. this movie in a really good way, which she absolutely has to. And I think Anne Hathaway really brings that. She holds herself so well. Very cool. Like even down to her physical posture, the way she changes her posture. She's like, you know, you know, with someone who's innocent and a little bit timid and nervous, like the shoulders go down a little bit and the hands are a little bit inside. 
the moment she gets caught, she turns into Selena Kyle yeah, and then yeah, her yeah. posture changes. I was like, whoa. She does the meow at one point. Wow. The like, yeah. And, and um, I think she backflips out of the, the, the room after She does. Herself. She does. And it's just so clean. It's like, whoa. Um, and she doesn't even have to do much to Bruce because partly because Bruce Wayne is like a cripple right now and he's yeah, in retirement. Yeah, yeah. All she does, she just kicks the, the staff <laughs> and then she goes, oops. Oh, no, wait, she says oops before that, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what did she say? We just watched it. Oh, man. I can't remember so what good. she says, but yeah, it's, it's something so great. And then she jumps onto the windowsill and does a backflip. Yeah. I was like, what? Who is this person? We get later into, um, so I think in her, in her next scene, she's actually, her, her mission wasn't just to steal the pearls. There's like a, uh, an extra incentive, but she actually came to get Bruce the Wayne's fingerprints. fingerprints. Mm-hmm. And later on when she's in the bar, she uses it as collateral, one of the fingerprints when she gets the guy she has double to get crosses five, her. right? She has to get, oh yeah, she gets all or five two. of the fingerprints, but yeah. she keeps the thumb with her friend in the car so that when the guys double cross her, she like, she can, have her or she can her, have like her backup. Um, yeah, she can have like a way to manipulate the, the deal. Yeah. But I think what's amazing about that scene is once the, the police come in because she's convinced the bad guys to text off the senator's phone and that whole little ordeal, they come in and she just starts screaming again like an innocent Wow such a good little I turn was... and a moment and then she just walks out the door and, and so her cool. scream how how amazing yeah, was her it's, scream. It's very and she immediately turned back to that innocent maid again. It's, it's like, and, and it's the, I think it's the professionalism of a great actor mm. where you see that in Anne Hathaway's character in this film or Anne Hathaway as the actor herself. Uh, I've just been watching We Crashed with her and Jared Leto. And it, again, if, yeah, great show, definitely uh, a, a watch. I'm not sure if it's like, I'm just up to the season finale, which I'll watch today. So, but I, I, I would recommend having a watch of it if not, for anything else, at least for her her performance and another uh, Batman stand, Jared Leto. Wow. He does a much better mm-hmm. job in We Crash than he did in Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Sorry, <laughs> and bro. Well, it's not his fault. Oh, is it his fault? Who knows? Uh, uh, yeah, it's a bit his fault. Anyways. And yeah, and Hathaway. So good. Amazing. Um, amazing, amazing. And her, and her and Batman's first team up on the rooftop. Very cool. Yeah, very, very cool very sequence. Fun. I love the lighting in that rooftop as well. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. The bat wing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And jump into the back one. Yeah. So, so we're in that little, like, um, abandoned bar, whatever. Well, it's not even abandoned bar. It's just a closed off bar for that. Dive. In that meantime, is in the dive, just because they're doing a little bit of a um, dodgy deal. Um, and then Selena Kyle gets away with it because she turns into that innocent um, lady again, that innocent maid. And then I even love the way she walks out of it. And she's like, oh, just inside. And she's like crippling a little bit. Um, and obviously, no, like, none of the cops are going to like take notice that she might be a criminal. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Cause, um, she just looks like an innocent female that's like in amongst some, some dodgy, dodgy gang related activities. And then is this is the scene that leads into Jim Gordon discovering the sewers, I believe. I think it's around this time, yes. Yeah. yeah. And they go down into the sewers. They go down to the sewers with. Um, uh, Oh, actually, no, John Blake. That's the guy you're talking about, wasn't it? Yeah. John Blake? No, no, John Blake is um, Oh, John Robin. Blake is Robin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Matt, uh, I found oh. Matthew, Matthew Modine's character in this. His name is... Uh, Foley. Yeah, he does play Foley. Right. So one of the captains of the guard who, like, later on, once the city's under... Um, under under siege. curfew, yeah, he, 
he like just stays in his home and what proves yeah yeah right, right right i think i remember him yeah um yeah so so gordon goes down to the source because he tries to um take a lead from uh some disturbance but then he gets captured by one of the henchmen um and and when he's like this is like the first i guess kidnapping that gordon's been a part of mm. um and he kind of like stays down there for a while and john blake discovers him through, through yeah through gordon source. like he no, no no remember oh yeah through his sources because he's he's trying to like trail something yeah but then um he sees john uh jim gordon come out of the sewers because he escapes eventually yeah yeah and um and JGL knows where to find him because he'd found one of the orphans that had been going down into the sewers for work. Exactly. At the end of those sewers. So that's also another thing that I that I actually didn't realise until I watched it recently. I was like, oh, there's actually some interlace or there's some subtle connections with the orphans and, and also what's Spain. happening there. Yeah, yeah. In the that, and that's where uh like later on in the film when JGL's trying to get the rest of the orphans on the bus and off the island. Yeah. There's, there's that, yeah. And it, it's, it's all coming back to again, the class, um, the class issues that come up in this film. Mm. So like, yeah, again, it's a little so bit ahead of its though. time actually in, in many ways. And so, yeah, especially the stuff around the police ages poorly as a result. Too, it's crazy how yeah. smart everything is in this film. Yeah. It's like, it's so well put together and you have to rewatch this multiple times to really get into the undertones, the subplots and yeah. all the characters and how they, none of the characters are wasted on screen. Yeah. It's, um, we were just saying this before, I think around, um, films where, uh, and, and I think we're getting more and more of this these days where you have films with too many characters or, um, not enough work done on characters so that you have, lines or bits of information or dialogue that could be said by anyone there because mm-hmm. no character actually has any relevance. Anyone could be there. Anyone could be doing, doing the, doing the action or saying the exposition. But in this film, every, every, every character has their, their moment and their point and their purpose mm-hmm. and their motivation as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's very good. Pretty damn good. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're up to now. We're going to transition into act two. Two. where Bane attacks Gotham City Stock Exchange by using Bruce's fingerprints in a series of transactions that leaves Bruce bankrupt. Um, Batman resurfaces after eight years while intercepting Bane and his subordinates. Uh, Bruce's butler, Alfred, is unconvinced that Bruce is strong enough to fight Bane and resigns in hope to save him but only after admitting that he burnt a letter that Rachel left for him, saying that he, she was going to marry Dent. Um, this, there's actually quite a lot to unpack here. That's huge. It's like, it's huge. It's, it's such a huge point for, or turning point for their relationship, Bruce yeah. and Alfred's relationship, while also Bruce <laughs> realising the devastation around him getting the truth, even though he probably knew it was going to go that way. But I think even in The Dark Knight, Bruce Wayne always still had hope that he was going to get back with Rachel. Yeah, and there's that point uh, when Joker gives the the choice: save Rachel or save Harvey Dent. And and you hear it in that moment when Batman and Gordon are like running off to go and go to the two locations, and Gordon's like, "Where are you going?" He's like, "Obviously to Rachel." And it's yeah, and, it's and then that, he shows up in the wrong place. That, yeah. <sighs> It actually brings a lot more weight and meaning to that scene. You know, after after the reveal in The Dark Knight Rises and that reveal is Alfred telling him about the letter. Yeah. 
it brings a lot more weight to that scene in in the dark in night. the dark night absolutely i think um again it um it's like unrequited love it's uh this man who's been brooding for eight years in his mansion all alone and he can't be batman he can't leave he doesn't want to leave he's just slowly being consumed by all of this so mm. alfred alfred's actions and also this this moment where he's deciding i'm not going to be a part of this anymore is such a gut punch it's, it's, um, it's like at the worst time and possible so good in this scene, <laughs> he's so. so good it's at the That's worst really time cool. possible for him to give this explication around the whole letter uh why he's resigning um he's such a good scene and like he cries in the scene as well it's like it's not a mm. full-on cry but it's like a it's a butler cry it's a it's a butler cry <laughs> it's, a, it's a butler it's michael kane yeah yeah cry. It's, it's, but then he full-on sobs at the end yeah, yeah when bruce dies yeah or he doesn't die but you know supposedly he dies <laughs> um right. he full-on sobs and dude i i got so emotional in that scene by the way Think, we're jumping a bit, but I yeah, now that we bring yeah. up emotions, it's like I got so emotional in that scene. I was like, "Oh my god, this is like heartbreaking." I, I think um, I, again, this is where uh, there's something that this film does that a lot of the other two Batman movies don't push into as much is um, where Bruce is being human, and and you have this um, play out with his relationship with Miranda, but also in his sense of loneliness and isolation and. Uh, a lack of family uh, that's that's no longer around him, and and you find him find family, mm-hmm. uh, have a found family with Selena Kyle, uh, to some extent. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not really, fully, it's not fully explored, explored, but yeah. um, but they definitely allude to it at the, towards the end of the film, and then obviously we see the last frame. Yeah, yeah. With Bruce Wayne is him and Selena Kyle. Yeah. But, um, man, brilliant. Can we jump back for a second to the stock exchange yeah, scene? Let's and, go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's quite a lot to talk about the stock exchange scene. Oh my gosh! Uh, firstly, the the whole um, the whole scene really again sets the stage for for Bane. But what it also does is very much in the same way as Batman Begins. This is the first proper reveal of Batman in this film. Correct. Uh, like in the same way that Batman appears to take down Falcone a third of the way into Batman Begins, because you don't see him fully formed as Batman for at least an hour in that film. In the same way, into this movie. It's it's at this point that Batman finally makes a move, and one of the things I love is when uh, they're in the subway as uh, as the um, police are trying to chase down uh, Bane's cronies uh, that all the lights go out, and uh, one of the older cops says to the younger cop, "He's like, you are in for a show, my friend," or, or something along those lines. And it's it's so <laughs> good. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 a it's a cool scene. But I, th- I think I just like I, I love seeing a lot of those stockbroker douchebags like get handled by Bane. Yeah, he slams the guy into the table. I think without even looking <laughs> at him at one point. Um, after he's like he's trying to get them to to um, to hack the computer, yeah. or whatever it is. Um, I just like the first part, you know, when he when he walks through the security. The security doors. Yeah. Um, oh, the middle detector security doors. Yeah, <laughs> but he yeah, walks yeah. through the middle detector and then he just like, he just bashes them with his helmet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he takes that one up. And the, like, um, that's a way to humiliate someone is by bashing them with a helmet. Yeah, it's brutal. <laughs> he, like, he is ruthless. And again, I think that's um, something that this film does well is this very visceral action. Mm. Um, and, and Bane's physicality, again, you feel it. Like every hit he does is... 
it's got an impact. It's and it's it's ludicrous, and and you get to that point where you get to the very famous oh, uh, yeah. Batman, Batman and Bane. It's so good. Oh, where Batman back, just gets back like break moment. Oh, you know that's in the comic. Book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's his Um, but um, one thing I really um again it plays into the nuance of the film is that once this chase scene starts. Uh, and the cops realize Batman's there. They actually stop pursuing Bane, and they start pursuing Batman. Yeah, I know. And it's uh, and, it, and it's it's crazy cool because they, you... that one cop just has a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's like, nah, take him down. Which is, I think that's Foley's character. Actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's like, no, we're going to capture the bat tonight. Do what you never did. What is it? What is it about these douchebag? police officers who actually just look like douchebags. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. Their, their face, it's, I mean, this sounds quite mean, but <laughs> it's just their face screams. Well, because Matthew Modine plays the villainous dad in, oh, not dad, but he's, he's the antithesis to Hopper in Stranger Things. He's Eleven's oh, really? evil father I, figure. Is that in? Yeah, in the first one. Yeah, First season. Yeah, yeah, season oh. one. Yeah, yeah. Don't Matthew remember. Modine, um, he's a sinister, dark unknown uh, agent guy who like brainwashes I've them. got a lot of brushing up to do on Stranger Things get ready for season 4 it's be good yeah I haven't but, even um, seen season 2 so ooh, uh, sorry. <laughs> or 3 oh, or 3 I know I'm so behind uh, I actually got a uh, uh, I got a friend that's one of the main characters in season 2 oh cool yeah <laughs> it's random I haven't who is it I even in t- Sean Astin Sean Astin yeah play oh. Samwise Ganji in uh, Lord of the Rings oh yeah yeah, yeah. In Stranger Things. Shout out to Sean Aston. Hey. He, he doesn't, listen, he doesn't hey. listen to my podcast. Though. He's he's too cool for my podcast. He's actually into politics these days. I think oh. he really wants to try and run for like governor or. Ah, oh, cool. And I'm like, dude, stick to acting. Ah. <laughs> bring back, bring back Samwise. Samwise the Brave. The best, uh, the best, one of the best trilogies of all time. And I'm I'm very proud to have a friend that's a part of that. Oh yeah. Um yeah, uh so what we're saying. Oh yeah. So you know that um the stock exchange scene, what I love is also the coordination of the bikes. Like that whole thing would have been so hard to choreograph. Yeah. The bikes coming out with people. People sitting them. on the back as Granted, well. Granted, yeah, yeah, exactly. Granted yeah. they're all stunt people, yeah. but I'm pretty sure a lot of the people around them were just regular extras. extras I don't yeah. think they're all professional stunts. Yeah. Stunt some people. Um to coordinate that whole thing would have been so damn hard, and it just looks so beautiful. And of course, no one's going to be able to capture that perfectly. Yep, hundred um, percent. And I just love the way that looked. And then there's that whole kind of chase sequence with the bikes. Um, great scene. Great, very cool. And lots of urgency. I think this is with the, this is probably the first scene that we have quite like the pace picks up quite a bit. Yeah, there's a, little, a bit of speed behind it. Um, and the story starts to move a bit, because um, there, there is there is points in this film where we do. Well, I don't know about you, but like I definitely experience that the story Has slows been. down quite a lot, and, and I think a lot of that is when he's in the pit. Yep, the Lazarus after pit. after um, after Selena takes him down to the sewers. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it, I find it a little a, a little hard to you know you you start at such a high pace and then you kind of dramatically slow down yeah. and then you pick the speed back up. Generally for a film, you you kind of have a couple of moments where it drops, but maybe not three or four times mm. in speed. 
just because momentum starts to lose a little bit. And I do feel that the Dark Knight Rises starts to lose a little bit of momentum when he gets to the Lazarus bit. And I know this is all about Bruce Wayne building his character again, trying to, yeah, yeah, over overcoming his um, uh, psychological like paralysis, yeah, overcoming all of that, and and also a big identity seeking moment where he's like he has to get over his pride he has to realize what he's done wrong maybe the you know it, it's a it's a whole moment of him just like rebuilding himself yeah. and he also and, has to watch gotham be and he has to watch story. exactly and he has to sit by and watch gotham and his only motivation is to get back to gotham yeah and be the hero again yeah it's yeah i think um that's what with this film like it it reminds me of Spartacus. It reminds me of those long epics, a uh, hero's journey. And um, yeah. And, and again, it's uh, <laughs> maybe it's the, the thing that you and I have in common where we're like, ah, oh, like I, I do like good pacing, but I also don't mind when people take time to tell the story they need to tell and not be sure. as fussed. This is a very Nolan thing, not be as fussed by an audience's impatience mm-hmm. um, yep. to get in that way. But, um, yeah, so we, we get through um, this stock exchange scene. You have him getting um, being made bankrupt by, by Bane. <clears throat> and then you start to see a lot of elements of the city crumble. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where um, Selina Kyle and Batman team up. They team up without Batman knowing how much of a liar she is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But she has her own. Uh, she has, she has her, her own, own motivations. She her wants own, the, yeah. her own motivations. Her own agenda. She wants what is it? The the blank disc. The the clean slate. She wants the clean slate. She wants to clear her ledger. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know if she uses those words. Clear <laughs> ledger. Oh, she does actually. Does I think she does. Or something, yeah. like, something along those lines. She wants. She wants out. Yeah. Um, and and that's what she'd been trying to negotiate with Daggett earlier on in the film as well. That's what she's been on the hunt for this whole time. Mm. But. It's there in the sewers, uh, which also is a great little team-up moment where they're, like, walking through the sewers and taking out Bane's baddies one by one. And That's there's right. There's that one bit where like, boom, and, like, behind you. And, the, and Batman's just behind him and just takes the guy out. So good. Um, but, yeah, we get to the the fight scene. What what do you feel about the... The fight scene between Bane and... Batman, and Batman. the first, first round. I mean, as soon as Batman enters the cage and then gets the door, like, slammed behind him and then looks at Selina Kyle and she's, like, hiding in the distance like a cat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and he realizes, wow, I just got betrayed here um, and I just fell into a big trap. Like, as soon as that happened, I was like, man, Batman's actually going to get annihilated here. He just came out of, like, his own self rehabilitation yeah. his, his no, self... the leg he's getting his like yeah. leg repaired or oh. i was like man i want that i yeah, need that for my knee <laughs> <laughs> do you think that's, that's that fun. technology does exist these days do you reckon? yeah does it yeah yeah dude yeah, yeah. Like recorrecting yeah yeah technology like structural like bone yeah, structural like, full, re- like yeah robot leg. oh i know robot legs but yeah, like but you can get like a brace like yeah, a yeah. brace that kind yeah. of behaves like a robot yeah. batman and um and uh was it um War Machine, both, yeah. You're capping, man. You're capping. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, yeah, so I, I knew that Batman well, Amazon just... one for you. <laughs> yeah, order one for me, man. My birthday's in December. December. <laughs> um, yeah, I knew that Batman was going to get pummeled. Um, it's just no match. And it was always going to be interesting to see how Batman deals with this whole thing because Batman's not going to... 
he's not going to say no to a fight, no. even though he knows he's probably going to lose. He'll die trying it at the very least. And coming from the background of knowing, which Alfred reveals early in this movie, but if you know Bane's story generally, you understand him as basically having the same intellectual capacity and physicality, which is greater than Batman's in mm-hmm. every single way. Like that's it. He's just a Batman juiced. Like, yeah. And that, uh, yeah, exactly. That's, that's what Batman's up against. Yeah. Batman's like no match for him whatsoever. And you're that's right. So like, <laughs> especially that whole psychological, that mental aspect. Yeah. Bane is just mentally stable. Like, well, he's, he's deranged, but he's, yeah. he's just mentally confident. He's just cool. And he's, yeah. he's, he's convicted with his beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and it's what's great about that in him being the spiritual successor to Ra's al Ghul, uh, or seemingly the spiritual successor to Ra's al Ghul yeah. and the League of Shadows. It's, uh, yeah, he's lying. I was born in the shadows. I was born in it. <laughs> yeah, it's so... Uh, That's been memed so much. So good. <laughs> but so. I, um, I think what, um, yeah, I think what is tricky about this film is those elements of motivation and the time that is taken in story for Bane's... Bane's evil master plan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what do you what do you feel about that? The the ultimate end goal and what becomes the next, like the end of Act Two, which is the the football scene. Well, even at this point in Act Two, like it's not entirely clear what Bane is Bane's motivation is. Um, it it doesn't become clear until he stands outside the. The football town film. hall. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. sorry. No, yeah, you're right. The town hall. Is it the town hall first? Town hall's after. Yeah, after. town hall is after. But town, the town and hall that's thing the, is... That's the way to rally the people of Gotham yeah. towards what he's just created. So he yeah. creates this new utopia yeah. by setting, arming the bomb and then killing Pavel and destroying all the bridges. Yep. So he sets the scene and then he gives the motivation... And he gives it to the people. He gives mm-hmm. the power to the people, as he says, by Take helping them realizing, yeah, helping them realize that the corrupt um, have have led this city. The Harvey Dent story was fake. Gordon, the mayor, all the rich—they're using and abusing you. It's you it's wild. Yeah, you city. need to take yeah. back your city. Yes, yeah, so there's no whole... motivation not to because there is an armed bomb, and I'm telling you, that's what you need to do. Yeah, you're pretty much like holding the city yeah, it's hostage. Carrot to... and stick. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's a, it's nuts. And it, it, again, it's like I think it's definitely a step up from what Batman Begins is, where it's like we're just going to use fear toxin to poison the city and let it destroy itself, mm-hmm. like Rome. And Babylon before yeah, her. that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is, this is actually, no, Gotham's going to go through a social experiment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's it's really relevant to Batman Begins because the, the League of Shadows always had this very, um, they were like the moral arbiters of Gotham or mm. the world. Mm. They felt like they needed to take control over what is right for the people, what is right for the city. Yeah even though what they're doing is um, outrageously evil. <laughs> um, but From a certain point of view. <laughs> I guess from a certain point of view. As says Obi-Wan. Um, yeah, so the I think that the biggest exposition about his whole uh, motivation is outside that town hall. Yeah. And in that football stadium scene, 
by the way, like one of the coolest looking set pieces with the explosions. That thing with the with the <laughs> with the NFL runner. The NFL, yeah. Well, the, not the NFL, the but it's like the GFL, I guess. Yeah, Gotham Football League. <laughs> the guy running. The guy running to, away. To touchdown. <laughs> what an insane scene! And and this is just a a great marriage for Christopher Nolan bringing his big spectacle ideas together with great storytelling mm. it's not big spectacle for the sake of it but it's like also ties into what the story is um yeah like just within that um stadium scene um it's, it's just great piece of mastermind planning to get the police under there mm. <laughs> absolutely absolutely um because it's not just it's not just him announcing to gotham the plans, mm. but it's having supplanted the idea that something's going on in the underground mm-hmm. and that Gordon and the police are going to raid the underground at the same time to catch Bane on the wares. And to not just get part of the police, but every single every police single one of them, Like, what, like 8,000 policemen have gone into the sewers yeah. for a training exercise. For training exercise, yeah. And, um, and then it, it's uh, what the whole scene's overlaid with. The, is it overlaid with the child singing um, or finishing his song, um, singing the national anthem? Yep. And uh, we just found out in the trivia uh, trivia for this on IMDb that Tom Hardy improvised that line. What a <laughs> lovely, lovely voice. And it's, oh, it's so good. It's so funny. It's like right in the middle of like... The explosions. Oh, and no, oh, like the, the, when he says that line, it's right in the middle of like that very ominous like um, singing from... The, the, the little kid. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what a lovely, lovely voice. He's so, yeah, it, it's terrifying at that point. It and is. So, Very so sinister as well. Oh, so sinister. And it, and um, I think that's the, the darkest moment, I think, for the people of Gotham is once they find out that the bomb is armed and then they see the man who can disarm it murdered in front of their eyes. Like, that's, mm. that's wild. Yeah, I mean, what do you do at that point? Exactly. It's... Uh, it's just, uh, it's just chaos. Just hand your life over to Anarchy. them. <laughs> um, um, so let's jump quickly into the pit. Yeah. The Lazarus pit. The Lazarus pit. So Batman, Bruce Wayne has lost his physical fight to Bane, but he's also being like taught a valuable lesson through Bane's very profound monologue <laughs> while he's fighting. Yeah. Can you imagine if real fights were like that? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah like, this philosophical monologue. debate. <laughs> Just putting him in his place, telling you him that he's... You concede to my ideas. Yeah, exactly. You tr- the, what is it? You've merely trained in the dark. Uh, oh, it's like, um, you adopted the dark. You adopted the dark. I was born, I was born in it. it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like very operatic, like posture. Yeah, yeah. And like postulating, it's I guess. It's pretty, oh, it's, it's pretty pretty hilarious. But yeah, he, he, he completely gets rattled and that whole thing. He gets sent to the Lazarus pit to see if he can prove himself by getting out of the Lazarus pit. I think it's, um, I think so like the, the, there's the core concept of the Lazarus pit and Lazarus for those that don't know the story from, yeah, from, from the Bible, the story of Lazarus is one of a young man who is, has died and Jesus in, um, in one of the gospels, I think in Mark or Matthew, he, oh no, it's in, in John. In John, he brings him back to life. Uh, and so Lazarus is resurrected and comes out of the cave, which he's buried in because he dies 
and it's a few days before he's brought back. Oh out. wait, so Lazarus in the Bible actually came out of the pit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I thought, I thought it was just the yeah, character yeah. that he was actually buried. Yeah, no. So he was risen from ah. dead, but he was risen from the dead after several days. Yeah, that's um, the so only he was still like right. wrapped up in his like in like oh. yeah, yeah. It's wild. So he's practically an Egyptian mummy. Yeah, 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 yeah. More like, yeah. Lots of people, lots of different oh, people. Oh, that's actually interesting. I never knew that. Yeah. He came out of a pit. I thought he just... So, and so then this Lazarus pit is one idea which is all about hope, that mm. this prison that was made for these people, which goes quite unexplained in the film, but it's kind of cool like that. This prison was one which is works where the people stay there alive and only keep living because they have the hope or the potential of hope that they could potentially escape. They could climb the pit and get out, but they have to take the leap of faith. Should we create so. a Lazarus pit here in Sydney? It might, might help. I don't know where you put it there. For like. people who deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> How do we feel about that as a form of crime and punishment? I think it's fine. So <laughs> long as we good. feed them, yeah, give them water. Good. And this is what's like really interesting about this film is that at one point, Bruce says, "Why doesn't Why don't you just kill me? Why would you put me here?" Yeah. And instead, Bane puts the TV on so they can watch Gotham burn. He gets a doctor there to feed him and fix him, heal him, so that he is forced to live there with hope and also with despair. Mm. And it's such a again, this movie and its themes, crazy. Uh, Christopher Nolan actually says as well that his core intention or the core theme around each of the films batman begins is about fear and then the dark knight is about chaos but then this film is actually about pain and that's the core theme to this film is that that we live in pain and that existence is pain Mm -hmm. and you find out that bane's story is also one of pain as well Mm -hmm. growing up in this pit yeah wild it's very powerful and um it it ends off with a very hopermistic future. Hopermistic? Hopermistic. Oh! Hopermistic. 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 That's good. That's, That's good. pretty good. Uh, maybe I should make That's a t-shirt. Yeah. Hopermistic Hope future. <laughs> a very optimistic future full of hope, I, yeah. I believe. Um, yeah, so, so this whole part, like I was saying before, is is kind of the first part of the film where it slows down dramatically for me, where um, I feel like I have to concentrate quite a bit more yeah. pay a bit more attention because this the pace of the film slows down so much um and it's a little i found a little bit challenging to focus on this whole lazarus pit thing and, and how he's going to overcome this mountain so to speak um but it's very pivotal for his character mm. incredibly pivotal because when he does come back um he i think he's much more armed with what he needs to do yeah what is a, his true objective is yeah and the, the real sacrifice that he has to make, yeah. Which is, uh, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah just no. killing yourself now. <laughs> so um, so going from that, we, we find a new Gotham. So what do you think of, what do you feel about the new Gotham that This, fits? like, desolate, um, barren wasteland. Yeah. Well, it's uh, not quite a wasteland. Yet. It's, it's not a wasteland, the, yeah. The but... buildings are still around. But it's basically like a utopia where it's under siege by a bunch of crazy terrorists. Um, and Where the poor rule supreme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, this kind of whole idea of trying to make everyone equal. Um, with the way they get to this part is such a... Visually, it's such a 
eye-opener. I don't know if this is the right word to use, but visually it's quite hard to watch when everyone has been pulled out of their rich apartments and they're all getting, like, savagely torn to pieces. Well, yeah, have throwing them out on the streets. Throwing them and, out on the streets, yeah. You have the terrorists uh, negotiating with the police and the militia outside mm-hmm. of Gotham yeah. and saying if a single person crosses any of these bridges, we blow this whole place to bits. And mm-hmm. it's like, what do you do in the face of that if this entire nuke city is held hostage? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Instead of nuke. It's like they're, they're like, oh, it's all right. We already have the nuke. It's fine. We'll do that anyway. It's, like, it's true, yeah. It's, um, it's kind of, again, and this is where the Lazarus Pit isn't just about Bruce, Gotham is now a Lazarus pit. It is already a dead city. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the Schrodinger's Gotham. <laughs> exactly. It's both alive and dead. Uh, it's And I think that's a really interesting concept that you don't often see in film uh, of a dystopia where that that place has to evolve mm-hmm. or die. Yeah. It has to evolve or die. And putting the hands into, sorry, putting the matters into the hands of the citizens was also quite a revealing part. And probably not that far off of being potentially real, you know? <laughs> no, yeah, 100%. Oh, 100%. And we'll, it has happened before. And this film does make straight allegory towards the Tale of Two Cities mm. and the Bastille. Uh, and when you get to the People's Court or the Kangaroo Court, with um scarecrow, scarecrow as at the helm of it so good it's pretty uh, funny actually uh what is it exile exile or, or death, death. <laughs> it's like we don't have much of a choice here do we i guess we'll choose exile is <laughs> he says we'll choose death and it's like all right exactly. I, oh yeah and he's like i sentence you to death bye, bye exile <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sinister, and I do like that. Like, because he, 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 I love that. There's these little these reminders of the Arkham villains and of of Crane being in the background because he's at the beginning of uh, the Dark Knight as well yeah. when he's dealing with the mob. Um, that it's it's interesting to see him come back uh, into the story in this film. So, um, but uh, then we get to um, the final set piece of this movie. The final set piece. Five months later. Bruce escapes from the prison and returns to Gotham as Batman. He frees the police. They clash with Bane's army in the streets. This is probably the first time that we've seen such a big battle sequence where it's in the daytime. Yeah. There's uh, one one scene which is done in Dark Knight where Joker... Jo- yeah, where Joker uh, shoots Commissioner Gordon when they're trying to assassinate them. Oh, yeah, but with all the police outside. The yeah, it's the, not the police quite, all scatter, yeah. but not, not like the same as this. Yeah, yeah I see what you're saying. But this is like a full-on brawl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like police, uh, versus, police versus the, the terrorists. People. Yeah. Oh, sorry, the, the terrorists. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a bit of a crazy brawl. Eh? The whole time that scene is is playing out, I'm like, why is no one getting stabbed? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there, why there's is no a one getting the, shot. Uh, PG thirteen. Yeah, this is the whole like Warner Brothers PG thirteen kind of thing. Uh, yeah, because the movie is, I believe, PG thirteen. PG thirteen, or what we would call M. I think it's actually just PG-13. Wait, let me have a look. Oh, it would be rated M in Australia, but PG-13 in the US. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was hilarious. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> like, there's this, all this commotion. Like, I think they do start off with weapons. Like, some of them have shotguns and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're running. bats and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They run towards each other and they're like, ah! And then so that, like, stop using it. 
and they start using their hands. Like, which is definitely a big change to what DC does now. Sure. It's like, it's but in no scenario that you have a city like that that's getting into a brawl and it's they have nice. the option of guns, no one's going to be like, yeah, let's put the guns aside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous. But um, yeah, again, a very like. Yeah, like some would say that uh, that scene ages poorly where you have the police fighting for the people. <laughs> yeah, um, true. However, however, um, really, uh, yeah, very, um, for, again, very different to have a Batman during the daytime, which, again, like Matt Reeves, the Batman, doesn't it's even have any daytime shots except for yeah. one or two. But um, I think the whole brawl thing was was fun. I, lo- I love how the camera goes in and out of the people that are all like sort of throwing punches and kicks, or whatever, yeah. pushing each other. I think it was more pushing each other than anything. I don't think I ever saw one punch thrown. <laughs> um, but you know, the, the whole point was for the cameraman to weave into Bruce and Bane. And, and Bane yeah. And I do, I, I really do enjoy like that element of like these two being like these two kind of gods amongst these humans yeah, fighting pretty much. But um, meanwhile, you have the, the whole thing with the bomb and you have Miranda, yep. um, the John phys- Blake, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Blake and Gordon and their kind of crew trying to find the right truck yep. and find the bomb yep. uh, and try and disarm it. Mm. And I don't know. I think again, this like, there was that little element of where a lot of other films have a lot more set pieces going on. I don't know if that it didn't feel too much like, yeah, I don't know. It's, the, I, I don't know, maybe this where this is where the movie does start to feel a little tired, is that this end scene isn't as strong as... Uh, you know, yeah, you, it's, you it's not as well put together as the first two acts of this film. No. Uh, the third act kind of suffers a little bit from its um, attempt to execute the final showdown because yeah. it it's all led up to this moment of whether the city is going to come out of this safely or whether it's going to end in a massive nuclear bomb. (laughs) And the stakes have been raised so much that, like, if you remember, like, we didn't even mention this before, but as part of Bane's takeover, they raid Wayne's secret uh, underground um, arsenal. And so they also have all of the Batmobiles. They have all of this extra gun, like, manpower um, that... It, there is a lot more writing, I think, on, on this being a big set piece. And I know if it lands as well as other films. I I think done. so. I, I, I don't think the, the big crescendo isn't quite as crescendo as I was led to believe or I think anyone else was led It actually would have been cool if there was, like, a Batwing chasing down several of the Batmobiles and, like, all that kind of thing. Yeah, but, they, yeah I feel like there, there could have been this big um, action takeover yeah. for the Batwing versus all the Batmobiles yeah. and, even, like and even cargos. the Bat, Batmobile, um, sorry, the Batbike and Anne Hathaway. Yeah, like, that's right. Because that's, that's utilized, utilized a little bit, but like, mm. yeah. So we also have Selena Kyle in that. Like she's like, has the opportunity to, to uh, make her decision to, to stay and help. Mm. Um, I think that's done really well. I think Anne Hathaway, again, like in this part of the film, like, She's surviving and she's like making do, but she's also full of regret. Um, she's full of regret. She does have a little bit of guilt. Yeah, that uh, she's but the one she's that still like yeah, yeah, yeah. She actually still commits to this idea that I'm not going to be apologetic about anything either. Yeah, true. you know when 
when Batman or Bruce Wayne comes back. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then they, he, I'm pretty sure it's her that he meets first, right? When he yeah, comes back. Yeah, yeah. Throws, and, she catches those kids and. That's with right. The apple. Oh, the apple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the apple. So, that's yeah. right. <laughs> and they have that little scene together, which I think is a quite quite a nice scene yeah. for them to um, reconnect. And I love how she says, "Like if you're looking for an apology, I'm not going to give it to you." Yeah. Um, and it's actually playing right now. <laughs> <laughs> We've caught up. Classic. Yeah. Um, so she's very committed to her being a very confident, strong uh, female. Mm. And and she yeah she just holds herself and I think the dialogue between her and Bruce Wayne is is enough to say that there is a bit of a connection and they're both very imperfect human beings, mm-hmm. um, but there is some similarities that are drawing them close together. Mm. They've got that, and that's it. They um, Batman and Catwoman have always sat along a similar line, uh, but one leans towards justice and one leans towards corruption, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's their difference. One kills and one doesn't. Uh, and it is cool because actually, yeah, funnily enough, she's the one that ends up snuffing out good old Bane. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah she just, that's she right. <laughs> but uh, that's let's right. talk about the, the grand reveal. That wasn't much of a reveal. I, I can't remember if it was a big reveal. On... Talia. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, I remember it was a reveal to me. It was, yeah. yeah. I remember it being a shock, but I was also like, oh, yeah. Talia al Like, you know, this whole time we, we get those flashbacks of that person that escapee, you were. I, I always thought that that was just Bane. Yeah, there's that assumption. Yeah, there's but an assumption you find that Bane. he was her protector. Yeah, he was the protector, and she was the she was and the she daughter. was the escapee. And then when it when we get that reveal, and then we see her escaping, I was like, oh yeah, it is a girl. <laughs> I also get the uh, what well, the same eyes, like same yeah, eyes, yeah, they did a good job with that child actor there. Yeah. But also, um, you see young Liam Neeson, oh, a young Ra- Raz as well, yeah. uh, climbing out of the pit. I think at one point, no, picks up Talia <sighs> from outside of the pit. Outside the pit, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, why were they, I can't even remember why was she in the pit in the first place? Yeah, I'm not sure. It's a bit of a weird one, right? Like it. Yeah, was Razagul trying to train? No, because I think Bane was at one point a part of the League of Shadows, and he was, and then he got banished, and he got put into the Lazarus pit. But she was already in there. Oh, because he has always been the protector of her, but she climbed down there. I think we have to follow that up. (laughs) I will have to do another rewatch. But people listening to this will be like, "I thought you guys already watched this." Yeah, 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 we have. But we've uh, it's been a while, guys. Been a been a. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. So the the reveal of Talia Al Ghul was surprising at first, and I mean, when you in hindsight, you kind of like, oh, I guess it's not that surprising at first. It's not the, <laughs> the greatest reveal, but that's not the biggest cliff. That's not the biggest, um, uh, uh, I guess, thing that Nolan wants the audience to experience. You yeah. know, like the biggest thing that Nolan wants us to experience is just the whole story, how it comes together by the time it gets to the end, and, and what Batman is willing to do for Gotham and the most consistent thing throughout the entire trilogy is Bruce Wayne committing wholeheartedly to his purpose as being Batman yeah right and this is where we get I guess the ultimate sacrifice the ultimate Uh, sacrifice or is it (laughs) you know weirdly enough when the sacrifice happened I was like I don't feel anything for the sacrifice yeah I I agree I I think it was more (laughs) expected um but but I think when you when you have a film like this, again, that, that maybe that's the hardest part about it. Nolan placed the stakes maybe too high. When you have a nutrient like a, 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 a basically a nuclear warhead that is 
live and is set to detonate no matter what, you kind of have an expectation that, well, well, someone has to, someone die, has for to die for us. And otherwise um, everybody dies. And I think, um, yeah, yeah. The, the stakes are just too high when it's the entire city. It's Gotham. Um, when Batman does take the, the bat wing and, um, like the, there's like one really nice moment from that is him revealing to Gordon that he's, Oh, dude. That's, that's oh cool. my God. Oh, we have that. to talk about that. So that moment got me <laughs> so much because their relationship throughout the entire trilogy has always been a great relationship that that's built on trust. Yeah. And if there so. was, if there was any type of honesty going back and forth between characters, it was definitely between, Jim Gordon, Gordon and, yeah, and Bruce, Bruce Wayne, like they they had that very special connection because they were always so honest about each other. Yeah. Um, and then how it comes full circle, oh man, it gives me chills thinking about it. Mm. Like when he has that moment, he's does Jim Gordon ask him? Oh, he says does he says he says something. Well, like, like well, Batman I, says like, it's it's um no like like, like how does he get prompted? I think it's something like it's like why are you doing this? Like why would you you don't have to do? I think he even says you don't have to do this, and he's like. No, it's like it's something I've always had to do. It's as simple as um, uh, a detective giving his jacket to a young boy, yeah, in grief at the loss of his yeah, parents, yeah. or something but, along but, those but, lines. But I think he, he, I think he asked him because because he's about to sacrifice. But I think Jim says, "Will we ever? Will I ever get to know who you are?" Yeah. I think he says that, and then and then he says, that and line. then he says that yeah. line. And, and like, that line got me so much. I was like, oh, my God, man. I, I feel like it was that line that got me more emotional than the actual sacrifice itself. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's um, – which is good. That means good character. It's, it's yeah, Exactly. Character. If not good story, the whole point, it's good character. Yeah, exactly. The whole point is that the relationship between them two is much more powerful. Well, than they're the two that make Gotham safe. Like, they're yeah. – yeah. And that's a – They're the true heroes. That's these, a real line. Like, I think that's a real line that um, Commissioner Gordon always – needs yeah needs that kudos in 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 the batman world and great. in in great characters and storytelling because they yeah it you know if um if we think of another i don't know if it's a great batman story but the killing joke <laughs> and, and what what it what it's supposed to be about is about corruption and pain and hurt and if some someone can be pushed too far that that would destroy the things that they've made and this movie alludes to the killing joke in that Mm. In that same kind of way, yeah. But it 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 is really cool to see that that relationship is intact in in a way that like what happened between him and Alfred mm. was kind of at a loss. So yeah, it's um yeah it's, it vilifies Batman, I guess. In this, yeah. true. And um, so you know, right right at the, I guess like the last ten fifteen minutes of the film, um. The detonation has gone off, which, by the way, if it's a nuclear bomb, it's a pretty small nuclear bomb. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the like way it explodes, like, days, it gets out pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty oh. sure people have done movie math on this and how it's not. Yeah, it's definitely. Not a, that's like a YouTube, guys. Right there's there. definitely yeah, some movie movie math on. It's like, pretty sure that's a super bomb from Russia. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you know what? Nonetheless, like, it's it, it is a really nice way to wrap up the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I would would change anything about it, other than the fact that um, to tackle such huge issues like that, when it comes to the store, uh, when it comes to the city being so corrupt, how to overturn that corruption, mm. how to not build your foundation on a bunch of lies based on fake heroes and mm. all that kind of stuff, and how to redirect it so that 
the city does come out as something that's much better than it was when Batman Begins started. I think it is, it's still a pretty damn good ending. But I think the biggest, biggest, thing, biggest thing I like about the ending is just how Bruce Wayne decided to eventually turn the mansion into an orphanage. Yeah. Um, and, and he gives, he passes on the mantle. He passes on the mantle. Yeah. Uh, Gordon finds the bat signal repaired, you know. Yeah. Um, and Lucius Fox. Um, finds out the autopilot to the bat. Yeah. The bat wing. Yeah. And th- this <laughs> is our reveal that Bruce Wayne's actually not dead. Yeah. Um, and it was like, well, when did he have time to jump out? Did he swim to land? <laughs> Maybe math, guys. Just chill. It's all right. He survives. So you need he to survives, survives. But but just before that, you know, like Alfred's kind of making peace, mm. or he's 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 attempting to make peace with losing Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And this is the very thing that he spoke about in the middle of the film to Bruce Wayne, saying, "This is the reason why I retire because I don't want to live my life seeing you destroy your destroy your own life yeah. and eventually killing yourself." Yeah. And this is what happened. Yeah, this, this is what is happened to him. Uh, and he came to that point where they're having the funeral. It's just him, Blake. By the way, why is it Blake at the funeral? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I feel like the funeral should be. Oh yeah, I guess he can be uh, at the funeral. It's fine. It's it's fine. Yeah, it just seems. Like, I know it's it's to do with the movie. Was it Lucius and Lucius and Lucius Alfred, Alfred Gordon? Gordon. I do like how he has. Yeah, two Gordon's men. there. He has three wise men around him. That's pretty cool. Yeah, everyone but, and, and then Blake around. is there, and I'm like, why are you there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it works yeah, for the story. Let's just go with it. Um. But yeah, and then and then like they all sort of pat uh, Alfred on the back, and then they all leave him, and then he has this little moment, and it's just like it's such a heartbreaking scene. Yeah, like I I kind of broke down at that scene as well. I was like yeah. crying with Michael Caine at that point. I was like, this is so damn sad. And I think he quotes uh, he he quotes uh, the last chapter of of uh, uh, Tale of Two Cities. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's actually one of my favorite books of all time. Oh my gosh, that yeah, must have been a big moment. For you, it's then. very good. Um, it's a very, it's a very cliched last line, but uh, um, yeah, yeah. Read the book, guys. It's read a bit of a slug, but it's read, read the book. Two cities, Charles Dickens, rock and roll. So I guess we we get to that end reveal mm. that Blake this whole time has been Robin. Yeah, I personally wasn't that surprised by it. <laughs> it's not a very surprising thing, but it also you know um, taking taking the DC cues of making this. Uh, its own universe, but also expanding it a little bit. Expanding yeah. it a little bit. Would you be up for a Batman Beyond in set in the real world mm. with JGL and yep. an older Chris, Christian Bale as a, yeah, as like the Bruce, Bruce Wayne in the chair? Yeah, 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 that's right. Bruce Wayne in the chair and Bat- is it Batman Beyond or Batman? Fe- it is Batman, Batman Beyond. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah, Batman Beyond's dope. But I used like, to follow that quite a lot. Actually. Good show, uh, and it and again it's um it you know like it's it's an allusion to Robin, but I think it's a bit of a cheap one because that's not really what this this character is. This character really is coming into his own more as a Batman rather than a Robin, uh, and there is a large difference between those two. But mm. it's good, it's good times. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I do love the last, the final shot. Yeah, final shot's great of him getting in the Batcave. having uh, that him crashing through the waterfall, crashing through the waterfall, and the, and the and the platform rising up. Yeah, it's very cool. Just that, yeah, that last shot of of the platform rising up, and him—it's it's sort of it's symbolism for him rising to become the next hero. Yeah, yeah. Great way to end the film. I had to clap, you know, when the when the film ended. 
I don't remember if I clap, but I'm not as vocal in cinemas as River is. <laughs> Uh, we'll find that out tomorrow because we are off uh, to the races. But we should, uh, yeah, we get we get some big stuff coming up. We'll um, we'll talk about that in a second. But we should uh, give our final thoughts and uh, ranking and ranking. Or this is our Christopher Nolan ranking and also our Batman, out of ten out of ten yeah out of yeah, ten yeah. ranking. I'll kick it off. Okay, go. <laughs> so anything about it for a second? I rate the Dark Knight Rises in the Nolan series as probably the fourth best film that he's ever made. Um, And I give this movie 8.5 out of 10. Yeah, 8.5. I was going to say 9, Yeah, but I was like, oh, maybe it is a 9. All right, like, <laughs> like a, a very close nine out of ten. Because what, what's Dark Knight for you? <laughs> ten out of ten. 10, out of 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, look, I yeah, I and this is the funny thing. I think maybe um, times change, and and my preference is that I prefer this as a story and as an epic to the Dark Knight. Mm. I think, like, the Dark Knight is quintessential kind of Batman film, whereas oh, this, yeah. this isn't. But this, what this yeah, is, I agree. Yeah, I agree. is a really great political dystopic saga story like it's it's a lot of other things and that's why i i, I, mm. I place it as a more enjoyable movie for me to go back and, and rewatch. Mm. though i'd probably say dark knight's a better film mm. yeah and so i'd probably put it in my top four or five as well for nolan like sure. number one for me is always going to be prestige and yeah. inception and then i think it's it always changes between the batman movies there but sure. Uh, so yeah, that's why, and I think I'd probably have to say then an eight point five to a nine as well. <laughs> bit basic, guys. Sorry, hey, but, but that's it's not... a good film. It's Nolan. Nolan is um, just peak all the I, time. I mean, this is uh, these are insane rankings, yeah. anyway. Yeah, <laughs> like, <this> is... <laughs> um, I think IMDb gives it an eight point seven. So there you go. That's I always I always love it how we're a little like. We're not controversial in these films. Yeah, I, I mean, I just love how we're a little slightly apprehensive yeah, when it comes yeah. to like giving a Nolan film like seven out of ten is like that's still a really good rating. Yeah, that's but not it just bad. goes to show how much of a great filmmaker. Yeah, and Nolan this is. like this film is also not as typical Nolan as many other films. This that's, is yeah, him finishing a, a trilogy, so it um, it has other work that it has to be doing. So yeah, it's true. But that's really true the next the next nolan film we're up for is interstellar interstellar <laughs> nolan has, has this your, uh, has your matthew mcconaughey <laughs> matthew yeah i haven't actually seen that movie this movie that, that movie interstellar for a long time so i'm pretty excited to watch it again it's very good yeah, I we um, bring back Anne Hathaway as well for it. I brings back Ooh. Anne Hathaway. Yeah, um, introduces one of his new ca- new actors, Matthew McConaughey, Matthew Jessica Chastain. Jessica Chastain. She's a great actress. Um, Love her. The farmer from um, the Babe. Farmer. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. I totally forgot. Uh, Isn't that an Aussie guy? I think he is. Yeah, he yeah. Is, right? I'm pretty sure Babe was filmed in Australia too. Yeah, it's an Australian film. Yeah, but uh, and uh, and a secret cameo appearance as well, which we'll talk about later. Who's the secret cameo? Oh, at yeah. the end. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He's kind of at the end. Yeah, 
That's right. Crazy. I totally yeah. forgot so about good, that too. Right? Like, yeah. Why'd you remind me? I would have been so surprised. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Damn. He was gonna... Anyways, we'll get to that guy. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. Where can everyone find you? Guys, you can find me on my Instagram. It's kind of on the social media I really play around on. <laughs> at NP Sammy, you'll find all things coffee, movies, running, and good times. I mean, that sounds like a very balanced life, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. You run so you can watch movies, and then you watch movies so you can drink coffee. It all, <laughs> all yeah, it all, it all, it's all good. Drink uh, more what about coffee. you, River? <laughs> Everyone can find me. My personal Instagram is at Rivervilli. Villi is spelt V-I-L-I. So there's at River underscore Villi. Uh, the Legit Cool Podcast is at Legit Cool Podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Legit Cool Podcast Movie Talk. And, of course, you'll be listening to this podcast from your favorite streaming platform, whether it's Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, whatever kind of podcast. I mean, actually, those are the only ones you can listen to at the moment yeah. <laughs> or podbean i don't know if everybody uses podbean but um the most important thing is make sure you keep following us by clicking the notification button so you know when you hear that next bell from legit cool that we're dropping another epic episode and we will be soon won't we? we will be soon i think the next one we're going to fast track and do before interstellar is probably going to be dr strange multiverse of madness and it seems to be like a theme in the legit cool podcast that we just a bias on reviewing <laughs> superhero <laughs> films hey which is not a bad thing yeah, it's not I mean, a bad thing it will, it will definitely control our listener base but uh that's fine <laughs> that's fine that marvel attracts it brings the people it brings it brings the numbers and and brings all the sweaty nerds <laughs> but um get hype, get hype. oh, oh yeah. tomorrow night man. tomorrow night Woo. we're how many hours away from are we, uh, yeah just over 24 20, 26, yeah just over 26. 24 hours no 28 28 hours we are watching. Hours from now, we are watching Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange Multiverse. Doctor Strange. We have lots to cover on the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, and we cannot wait to um, release that episode. We're probably going to get um, JC back on the cast for that. Maybe bring in one other straggler who always hesitates to be a part of the podcast. <laughs> we'll get him. We'll try. We'll try and rope him in. And if he doesn't, that's fine. It'll just be the three of us. Um, but thank you so much for listening, everybody. Thank you so much, Nate. Thanks so much for having me, River. Always awesome having you on here. And um, we will see everybody else in the next episode. Ciao. Bye-bye.